So kicking off 2022 at Cypress Creek Church, we have been in a teaching series called Incorruptible Love. And so throughout that series, we've been diving into the book of Ephesians, walking chapter by chapter and section by section um, to see what the word of God says about incorruptible love. And so we've learned that the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians talk about God's incorruptible love for us. And then at chapter four, we kind of flip the page and have been looking at our incorruptible love for God, or what our incorruptible God love for God could look like. And so we're now in this three-week sequence, and the order here is important, where we've talked about relationships, and we've talked about marriage. Today, we're gonna talk about parenting, and next week, talking about relationships in the workplace. And all three of these, and the whole series as a whole, has been, um, had the focal point of Ephesians 6.24, which will be up here on the screens. And it says, grace be with all those who love God, Jesus Christ, with incorruptible love. And parents, we need grace, don't we? As we parent, we've been parents for eight years now. We have an eight, six, four, and three-year-old. Did I get those right? Nailed it. Sweet. Uh, and, and we've learned some things. We had a, a, a other foster kids in our homes. We've had a, a few teenagers stay with us in our home. And, and the one thing that I can tell you that I've learned through this experience, I know some of you are like, man, you just wait till the teenage years, wait till the kids go off and, and you go through the things. I, I get it. I hear it goes by fast. And so we're trying to capture every moment. The one thing that I have learned as a parent is this, that I'm imperfect. I'm perfect as a dad. And she's imperfect as a mom. I don't tell her that, but you know, it's, it's, it's true. And that's by design, y'all. It's by design because our sole purpose as parents is to point to our one and only perfect heavenly father. See, in my imperfections, I tell them, hey, your dad messed up, your dad fell short, but you have a heavenly father who will never let you down. And so I want them to leave the home knowing who Jesus Christ is and having them decide that their uh, days are gonna be filled following the one and only perfect savior, Jesus Christ. So before we get going on this parenting, uh, these four verses that, that teach us on parenting, I wanna see where we are in that season of life. We have a lot of different seasons represented here. So if you do not have kids, college students, this, this is you. Uh, if you do not have kids, I want you to raise your hands and, and just wave at me. You don't, you don't have kids. There you go. So a lot of us don't have kids. Okay, uh, if you have kids, zero to five. Zero to five. Slow to get up because you're still waking You'll up. You'll notice that every parent who has kids zero to five has a cup of coffee in their hand or under their seat and is cheersing me right now. Yeah. And I promise it's just a season. It's just a, it's just a season. It's, it's just a phase. phase. Yeah, and we, we can't. Teenagers are a thing. We, we shouldn't miss it, um, although we do miss sleep. Okay, six through 12. Ages six through 12, wave at me. All right, yesterday in Wimberley, we had the father-daughter dance. I love seeing the pictures of dads taking their daughters out to this dance at Jacobswell Elementary that was put on by the district. And also, right dads, that's not the only time we're gonna take our uh, daughters to, uh, on dates. Right dads, right dads? All right, sweet, we got it. Hey, 13 and 18 year olds, we're our brave parents of teenagers. Proud. We have a lot, we have a lot. All right, so we're looking at you. We don't have teenagers, we have three teenagers. All right, uh, 19 and up. Kids who's, look at that, y'all, isn't this cool? We have so many people in so many different seasons. 
Yeah, it really is beautiful, and it's so cool to be a part of a church and a family who has a representation of different people in different seasons, because the truth is, we need each other. I mean, there's so many people in this room and faces that aren't in this room that Jose and I have gleaned from who are steps ahead of us and then people that are behind us that encourage us and inspire us and remind us of how precious and sweet that little newborn is, even when they're acting like a three-year-old. And we need each other. And so when we talk about something like parenting, it's wise to be reminded of the sensitivity that that can bring. Because for not all of us in this room was growing up um, happy, was growing up easy, was growing up, did you receive the things that you were supposed to as a child? And it's important to acknowledge that sometimes that word brings pain. And it brings hardship and it brings hurt. And for others of us, maybe our parents are no longer here at Earthside. And there's pain and there's loss and there's grief with that too. And with parenting, there's also just, parenting is hard work. It takes time, it takes grace, it takes effort. But the hope is, is that we, as we dive in these four verses in Ephesians, that no matter what season of life or multiple seasons of life you identify with, you can walk away knowing what God has to say about parenting. And the reality is, is if we are not as followers of Christ grounded in what God has to say about parenting, somebody else is gonna tell us. There are three million billion self-help books on parenting. There's a million social media influencers who are gonna tell you what the best way to discipline your child is, or just let them be free, they'll figure it out. All of these things, relatives, family members, it's all pulling at us. And as followers of Christ, when we are rooted in God's word as parents, it flows from there. Yeah, and we're imperfect doing it. And so we don't forget that, that we all need his grace. And uh, I encourage you, if you saw somebody put up their hands and you're like, man, I, I need help. I, I have teenagers. I need to talk to some other teenage parents or I'm, I'm a toddler. I just need some friends to vent with or something like that. You know, uh, uh, go to one another, but this isn't only for the parents because there's a lot of us in the house that want to be parents. We just can't wait for that. And God sees you and God sees that hard season in your life and, and wants to bless you and, and, and teach you things right here, right now through this. We'll be looking also at how to honor, how to love and respect our parents as well. So diving in, Paul in Ephesians chapter six, we're gonna start in verse one, gives us these timeless truths. Doesn't matter what culture, doesn't matter what place, doesn't matter what time you live in. These are God's principal truths for parenting in children. He starts in verse one by saying, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And every parent in the house said, amen. Amen. So this is God's way of saying, because I said so. So you can now tell your kids, hey kids, obey me because God said so. Just read it in Ephesians 6.1. But the beautiful part of this is, is that uh, he wants children to obey in the Lord. Meaning in our own relationships with God, I want you to think about what keeps you from obeying God. We all know what right and wrong is. I think few are in the house recognize the struggle between right and wrong is. The real reason why we struggle to obey God is because we ultimately do not trust him. It's the same reason why sometimes our kids don't obey us. They don't trust that we truly want the best for them. And this is God's order. We again looked at marriage last week. 
Marriage is more important than parenting. If you have kids in the house, you're investing in your marriage is primary. And then investing in your kids. And God is giving us a good order to follow here. Children, obey your parents because that is right. That's the order that God gives. There was a study that was done, two different sets of kids. One of them were playing in their backyard with no fence. So they could roam around and play as far away from the house as they could, no fence. And then the second group of kids played in an enclosed fence. And you know what they found? That the kids with the fence played further away from the house. They, they, they ventured further away. They had the confidence to go further away because they knew that there were limits. And the kids that did not have a fence were actually playing closer to the house. That's because we as parents need to provide structure and discipline and limits and consequences in our home. Yeah, it's so important that we have those things in our home because it provides a track for our kids to on-ramp onto and it allows our family to function in the way that God created. So moving on, uh, Ephesians 6 uh, four, so, oh no, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. So now we're speaking to honoring our, our, our parents. Those are not just those of us who have uh, uh, parents in the home. This is for adult children in our parents. First Timothy 5.8 says this to say about taking care of our parents. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Paul is speaking to Timothy here about taking care of widows. When, when, when the spouse passes away, kids, we, we are to take care of children. We are to take care of our children. That's what God wants for us. God loves family. Yeah, really from the beginning of time, kids were a part of God's plan. In the garden, he said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. So from that starting point, God loves kids. It was his avenue for which generations were to unfold from there. We look in Psalms and Psalms 127, and it says that children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from, from him. We move into the gospels and we see time and time again how Jesus says, bring the children to me, let them come to me. Yeah, and these children are not gonna stay children, right? They're gonna be adults. And that's the whole point of parenting is discipling our kids so that they become adults. Genesis 2, 24, last week uh, in the marriage series, uh, this was quoted as a parenting verse before it was a marriage verse. Check it out. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become flesh. Before the husband becomes a husband, he leaves his father and his mother's uh, uh, home as a man. Parents, it's not the university's job to disciple your kids. It's not social media's job to disciple your kids or the schools or the governments, et cetera. It is our job to make sure that we on, give them an on-ramp as they leave the home as adults. And that's where Paul picks up here in verse four. Yeah, so in Ephesians 6, 4, it says, fathers do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. So growing up, um, my dad was a pastor. And if you know my dad, you know that he's a, he's a funny guy. Most of his jokes are- He thinks, are, he's, he thinks, he thinks he's, he's really funny, but he actually he really kinda is, is. yeah. 
Um, and so I was probably five or six, and he actually preached one Sunday morning a, a message over these verses. And so we're talking about raising your kids up and discipling your kids in the way that they should go. And so I took that as my cue to put this into practice. So we got home later in the day, and I don't remember the exact circumstances, but he was joking with me and playing with me. And all of a sudden, I stomped, turned around, and said, do not exasperate me. Yeah, yeah. Parents, don't exasperate your children. But also, let's be honest, kids exasperate us parents. The definition yeah. of exasperated or exasperated is intensely irritated or frustrated. So parents, I want you to think right now what exasperated you. Uh, go ahead and tell your spouse if she's with you. Kids, if you're here, you know, tell them. Some, you know, tell your parents, hey, this is what you did that made me exasperated. Yeah. This, is, this is something that we all uh, go through. There's exasperation everywhere in the household. It is, it's true. We actually, uh, this morning, we're asking one of our daughters, you know, what's something that we can do better? And she was like, stop telling me to clean my room. <laughs> we're like, well, do you want to live in this? Do you want to live in chaos? She was like, I just, I just don't want to do that. It'd be so much more fun if we didn't do that. Yeah, so much more fun to live in, in chaos and, you know, these kids these days, I tell you. Uh, anyway, there's all these verses that teach us the training up because instead of exasperating our kids, we are to bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. So uh, Proverbs 22, 6 is a very popular one. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So it speaks to the importance of training up our kids when they're young to know the Lord in why the Lord is asking us to live a certain way. Deuteronomy 11, 18, 19 uh, agrees and goes on to say, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads. This is so that we can remember God, what God says. Teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit at home, at the lunch table, at the breakfast table, at the dinner table, on the couch, uh, when, when, when you walk along the road, on the way to school, on the way to practice, on the way to rehearse, so when you pick them up from school, when you lie down, when you are talking and tucking them in at night and when you get up first thing in the morning, let's be talking about the Lord. So there's all these verses that teach us about correction and instruction, and that is so important. But here is the thing. Nothing exasperates me more than my three-nager, coming out of their room at night. That sound right there, or the little click sound of the door, drives me crazy, and I know- Not just once, like 25 times yeah. at night, these little cute feet yeah. come yeah. out of the room. Hold you, mommy. Yeah, it Hold sounds you. cute. It's not cute. It's exasperating. Oh. And I know parents of teenagers, you're like, at least they're not climbing, go, out, climbing the out of the window and escaping. So be grateful that they want you to hold them, right? I mean, it's the, the thing we all, we all struggle with in, in parenting. But I get exasperated. And you know what I do as a result? I exasperate them. I exasperate them because I focus too much on what they are doing and what they are not doing. And, and what I believe that this verse is teaching us, parents, is that we are to not only focus on what they are doing, but not lose focus on who they are becoming. Because what they do matters. We want them to do right. We want them to know that there's consequences to their action. But what's even more important is who they are becoming as people. 
who they are becoming in the Lord, what they learn about who they are in him. I wanna brag on this one right here. She's a really good mom. She, uh, in February 1st, she started this Valentine's Day thing where she put a heart in their door. So we have two rooms where they share rooms, two boys, two girls, and, and each door had like two hearts for each kid every single day. And it, it shared a word of who they were, not only what they did. You did a good job cleaning your room, which never happens, uh, you know, but y- you are beautiful. Samuel, you are strong. Ezra, you are filled with joy. Micah or Ayla, you are resilient. And and Micah, you are so unique. These things that they can go towards and and reach. So that's for them, right? Well, when I disciplined them, they were also for me because they helped me not be exasperated with them when they weren't doing what I was asking them to do. It reminded me who they were in the Lord. And here's the thing for all of us. God cares way more about who we are than what we do. Not the gospel message that he didn't expect perfection. God doesn't expect perfection. He wants willing hearts. And when we come to Jesus, that's when the transformation comes. And then we live out in obedience in a way that honors God by the way that we love others and live our lives. Yeah, a few weeks ago, they talked on the word responsibility. And so when I hear the word responsibility, most of the time, this is a safe place, right? I'm like, I don't want another responsibility. I just don't want one. But when you look at that word through lenses of Christ, it's, you can look at that with the perspective of response ability, that because of God's love for me, I have the opportunity and the ability to respond. And as parents, Man, we need that sometimes. We need that perspective change to see how it is an opportunity. It is an ability. It is a way that God has given us favor. And how we do that hopefully aligns with God. And if you're sitting there and you're like, man, I've missed it. Like, we, we missed it. My kids are gone. We don't talk. We're not astray. I just wanna tell you, you haven't missed it. Because as an adult child now, I still want to be known by my parents. I still want them to know who I am because that's how God created relationships and how he created us. And so <clears throat> for a long time, psychologists and researchers have studied what these relational needs look like between humans. And so it's been years and years and years of research, and they've taken all these relational needs and kind of boiled them down to four core needs that every child should receive. If you're not to the phase of life, or maybe you don't want to have children one day, I want you to look at these on things that you can receive from God. Because when you see this list on the screen in a second, there's probably going to be one of them or two of them or maybe three or four of them that you're like, Man, I wish I had that. And the good news is, is you do in Christ. God is our ultimate need meter. We go to God first to have our needs met, and then we're able to meet the needs of our spouse and our kids and our external relationships. So the first one here on this list is acceptance. Acceptance is receiving your child willingly and unconditionally. Acceptance a lot of times looks like accepting their strengths, their weaknesses, their quirks, their individual talents for who they are. The second is affection. Affection, expressing care and closeness through healthy physical touch and attention. Affection can look like a fist bump, a high five, 
pat on the back, eye contact, putting the phones down and making eye contact. Yeah, there's so much vying for our attention these days, right? I mean, my, my kids see me on my phone way too often and they know it. And so I know that if I don't put my phone down now, they're not gonna put their phone down later when they get them. And, and so it's so important that we teach them that when we are with them, they have our attention. So we're talking to our, our daughters this morning about things that we do well and things that we don't do so well. And in the things that we did well, it's funny because Mike, our six-year-old, is extroverted like me and, and a processor, an external processor, and, and Ayla is an internal processor like Taylor. And if you don't know, she's actually an introvert, but she's doing pretty good out in, in, in public. Praise Jesus. She's amazing. Anyway, I'm not that good in private. You know, I'm like talking to myself into a wall, so I don't go the other way. She, she goes, anyway, so Micah immediately goes, Daddy, I love when you play with me. And I'm like, oh, that's so cute. And, and she said, uh, like on the trampoline, we got this trampoline for Christmas, and we had this big, big, big old bouncy. Ball. She goes, you, you put those balls on the trampoline. Now we can play. And that's so fun. And I think about that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's so sweet. Here's the reality. Whenever she asks me to go on the trampoline, I, 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 I just don't want to. <laughs> I, I don't want to always be on the trampoline either. I've already spent 40 minutes on the trampoline or I have some other things or I'm sore or whatever. I just don't want to. But this affection is huge because they want and they need our attention. I worked for Justice Kennedy for a year over at the Supreme Court, and you wouldn't think that something like this would come from him, uh, but I was having a conversation with him when Ayla was uh, being born. We were pregnant with her, and he looked at me with tears in his eyes, and he said, you will never see life the same. And I said, what do you mean? He said, your world changes when you see the world through the eyes of your kids. And it's so true. That's what attention does. We now enter into their world and we get a glimpse of how they see the world. And there's nothing more that brings me delight than entering into the world. I was uh, uh, having a, a, another trampoline conversation with our three-year-old. And I said, no, Ezra, I, I, I'm not going to go on. The, you can go on, jump on the trampoline. You know, I, I got things to do. And he said, but who's going to bounce me to the moon? And that got me because in his eyes, he wasn't, he wasn't, jumping on the trampoline. He was going to the moon. So you better be sure that I got up there and then I sent him to the moon and then he, you know, fell and cried. And then we had the whole thing. I was like, I thought you wanted to go to the moon. So it's super important. Affection is super important. Yeah, we get this wrong all the time with attention and affection and all of these, but I, I think there's a good uh, correlation there to with how the father sees us. And he is, he doesn't care what our to-do list is. God doesn't care what we're wearing, how we present ourselves. He wants to be with us. And a lot of times that's what our kids desire too. So we have acceptance, affection, comfort. Comfort, responding to your hurting child with words, feelings, and touch. Comfort can sound like, so sorry, or I'm so sad with you. And I think comfort also can look like being with and listening to, picking up the phone when there's a bad test grade or a hard relationship or just a hard day and just listening and being there. You know, I think a lot of times, um, like we said, we don't have teenagers of our own yet, but we have worked with a lot of teenagers and we've had some teenagers in our home and we love teenagers. I love it. It's just such a fun phase of life. If you're a teenager, you're probably already cringing because you know about to say something about you. Um, but I love it. There's so much identity developing as a teen. And you know, a catchphrase that you hear a lot is, well, you don't understand me. 
I won't make you raise your hand if you've ever said that to your parent, but I'll raise my hand and say, I'm pretty positive I have. And I think really what is trying to be communicated there is I want you to know me. I want you to know who I am and who I'm becoming. So acceptance, affection, comfort, and the fourth as approval, building up and affirming your child, saying, I'm proud of you. You did that. Way to go. Yeah. And this last one is so huge because Jesus himself uh, received that from his heavenly father in ministry. Uh, before he did anything in ministry, actually, we're in Matthew chapter three. This is how I wanna close because it's a beautiful picture of focusing not on only what we are doing, but on who we are becoming. So we see Jesus be baptized by John the Baptist. And then in Matthew chapter three, there's a voice that came from heaven and said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. See, Jesus had done nothing at this point. No miracles, no one had come to saving faith, nothing. He had just received this word from the Lord and from that confidence that he received, from the approval that he received from his heavenly father, he went out and revolutionized the world. And that truth is also true for you and I as we are sons and daughters of the Lord Most High, who now have access to the Father. Thanks for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so I don't know what season of life you may be in right now. You may be thinking of your wayward son or daughter as an adult, or, or maybe you're a son or daughter that just lost a father or a mother or are distant from your father or a mother, but I can tell you this, God is right there with you. And he wants to use family as a vehicle for the redemption of the entire world. We're imperfect. We're imperfect. Yes, we're all imperfect, but we have a perfect heavenly father who came for us. Let's pray together. Lord, parenting is hard work. We need you. We need your wisdom. We need patience. We also need your love for your children. They're not our kids first. They're yours. We have been given them for a short time so that we can train them up to know you and make a difference in this world. And so I pray for all the parents in the house from zero all the way through, God, that you would give us wisdom and that you would give us specific words so that we could parent according to your purposes, God. And Lord, for those of us with difficult relationships with our parents, I pray for wisdom and grace. I pray for respect and honor, God, so that we can show up for them too and thank them, even if there's pain and there are wounds there. Lord, I pray for grace to be present in those relationships. And Lord, ultimately we know that you are asking us to do all of these things because you first did them for us. You loved us first. You cared for us first. You approve of us first. You have shown your affection for us first. And we thank you, God, that we are totally accepted. And it is from that place that we are transformed, that we change, and that we want to become 
children here on this earth to be used so that we can be effective in Jesus' name.